Welcome to Charity Talks. I'm Brooke Denefsky, and today I spoke with Luke Freeman, the Executive Director of Giving What We Can. Giving What We Can's mission is to inspire people to make donations to the world's most effective organizations. As you'll hear, Giving What You Can was one of the first organizations focused on effective altruism, which listeners of this podcast know is a movement in philosophy that advocates for using evidence and reason to figure out how to best help others. Since its founding, Giving What You Can has inspired thousands of people worldwide to pledge to donate 10% of their lifetime income to the most impactful charities. After hearing from Luke, perhaps you too will be inspired to take one of Giving What We Can's pledges. Today I'm speaking with Luke Freeman, Executive Director of Giving What We Can. Luke, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So to begin, could you talk a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to Giving What We Can? Yeah, so I was, uh, I think, about eight years old when I first was struck by uh, global poverty, and in particular that there were many people in the world who through no fault of their own, uh, didn't have access to the same resources and uh, things that I did. So that there were kids my age who were starving or experiencing um, diseases that I wasn't because I was born in a rich country and I had access to great healthcare and a stable family situation. And then fast forward a few years, I finally am in a situation where I have a stable income and I decided that I wanted to give um, and to when you decide that you want to give a reasonable amount, it becomes really important where that money is going. So around 2011, I discovered the early work of Giving What We Can and another organization, GiveWell, which I work with uh, a lot in the context of Giving What We Can, that did uh, charity evaluation and uh, also advocated that people uh, give uh, more effectively in general. So that's how I first came across this whole field of uh, trying to find the best ways of doing good. About five years later, I started to get more actively involved and I uh, took the Giving What We Can pledge to give at least 10% of my lifetime income to the most effective charities. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I started working at Giving What We Can uh, as the executive director after working in kind of digital um, and uh, product and advertising and marketing for about 15 years. Nice. And of course, when talking about giving effectively, it's so important to address the effective altruism philosophy. And I've discussed it in the past in other interviews. And it's one of the reasons I even started my podcast. And I know it's important to what you do. So could you explain just what it is and kind of summarize your views on the philosophy? Yeah, so uh, Giving What We Can was uh, one of the organizations that helped found the effective altruism movement, which uh, is essentially the idea of doing as much good as we can with the resources that we're allocating to doing good. So there's this huge opportunity to improve the world with our time, with our money, with our advocacy, yet each of us only has access to so much of that, so so much time, so much money, um, so many opportunities to be an advocate. And 
given that constraint, if we think it's morally important to help others and we think that more is better than less, uh, it becomes really important to try and figure out how to best allocate that. Um, and this, this is the field of effective altruism. It's kind of a philosophy and a social movement occupied with a question of uh, how can I do good better and then taking action based off the, what we find. And as you obviously know, Giving What We Can was founded by Oxford philosophers Toby Ord and William McCaskill, both of whom have been so instrumental in this effective altruism movement. So can you just tell us a little bit about your founders and kind of what motivated them to create Giving What We Can? Yeah, so both our founders were influenced by a lot of earlier work that had been done uh, in philosophy around the practical implications of if you take some of these ideas seriously. So if you truly uh, believe that impartiality um, is an important value, that, you know, uh, all lives, morally speaking, are equal, then there is quite a, it demands action to, to actually kind of do things to improve the world, to help others. And it often demands uh, looking at this incredible inequalities that exist in the world and going, well, we want to do something about that. And so that really inspired our founders, Toby Ord and Will McCaskill, initially in the field of global uh, health and development in poverty reduction, to say, hey, I'm from a you know, relatively rich country. I know that I only need so much to live on. Um, I want to use the additional resources that I have to most effectively help others. And, and then also to do so effectively to help as much as possible. So, yeah, it was kind of this underlying uh, philosophy rooted in consequentialism that, you know, our consequences matter, but uh, this is a philosophy which kind of transcends uh, any particular philosophical school of thought. Yeah, and I really resonate with the idea that it is important that we not only take into consideration the suffering in our own countries, but also in the world and globally. And I know one of the biggest difficulties with the effective altruism movement is just that it's hard for people to sometimes focus on problems that are so far away and removed from their everyday lives, like, for example, malnutrition in Africa. So do you have any sort of specific approaches you take to kind of helping people understand why they should care about such a global scale of issues? Yeah. So I think it starts with some degree of empathy. Um, so realizing that the lives of someone in another country uh, is not terribly different to you. They, you know, someone in another country has their own internal life. They have friends. They have family. They have a favorite song. They might have a pet. That there is no huge difference uh, between someone born in one place and someone born somewhere else. So sometimes it starts with that kind of just realization. It's like you notice when people go traveling, they start to become a little bit more global in, in their perspective on the world. The other view is just the sheer amount of impact. Is that uh, if people are motivated to help others um, and they realize that there is this huge difference they get when they go overseas, for example, that you can get uh, that impact and people start to be driven by the idea of impact in and of itself and move away from just being empathy driven to being a little bit more compassion driven going, look, I don't understand. Um, I, I, I'm not feeling what someone else is feeling. I'm not... Uh, experiencing what someone else is experiencing, but I value their experiences and I want those experiences to be good. And um, 
that it can be quite motivating for a lot of people to to really take that step back and go, what is it that I truly value in the world? And often it'll come down to things like, I want to see lives improved, um, whether they be near me or far away, whether they be human or animals, whether they be now, or whether they be lives that, you know, in the future. And we see this with climate change is really the biggest impact is going to be for our um, descendants. And do we value those lives? And are we going to act based on that? And I think that, that is something that, given re- time to reflect, people generally do realize that it is something that they value. Yeah, I think it all kind of comes down to people acknowledging that really a life is a life, no matter if it's someone right next to you or someone countries away, they still have value as a human being, which is really simple, but we don't always take the time to just acknowledge the obvious in a way. Yeah. And I don't think that people in some wealthier countries typically understand how much good a donation to charity in a developing country can do. For example, a $100 donation to an effective nonprofit in Africa can do so much more good than a similar one to maybe certain charities in the U.S. or Australia. So what do you think is kind of the best way to help people understand just how big of an impact a dollar can make in one country versus another? Yeah, sometimes it's even just seeing some of the numbers. So, for example, uh, in Australia, we're willing to spend about uh, $60,000, uh, I think, per quality-adjusted life year, which is kind of a combination of improving life and extending it, whereas uh, you can roughly save an entire life uh, for about three to $5,000 in other places in the world. So there is this kind of huge difference in scale. And sometimes people also can see it through what money can buy and, uh, the, and just the difference in income. So if you live in Australia or America and you're in a middle-income uh, family, you're likely in the top kind of 2 to 5% of the richest people in the world. And that means that you're earning about 10 to 20 times an average person in the world and more than 100 times more than someone in extreme poverty. So even if you just think in very simplistic terms of just taking cash and putting it from one person's pocket to someone else's pocket who lives in a different place and they don't have as much access to resources, that is, you can kind of give 100 times the amount of volume if you go from one extreme to the other into and that it's also quite eye-opening when you realize that we get diminishing returns on the impact of money on our well-being. So uh, you really are able to spend money so much more effectively on other people than you are on yourself once you get to a certain point. Yeah, and I know a lot of what you do involves getting people to donate or pledge to donate a significant portion of their income. And I imagine that's not always easy for everyone to visualize doing, even though it can do so much good. Does it take a bit of a kind of a mind reset or just a different way of approaching this issues to make people realize necessarily just how important it is to donate such a significant chunk? Yeah, so there are some people who hear this and like immediately clicks and they change their behavior overnight and uh, it sticks for a long time. But there are many people, I'd say, actually, I think about most of our members, it's something that you mull over for a while. You go, okay, I'm quite surprised to realize how much more impact I can have on other people's happiness than my own. And wow, it looks like there is this impact that I can have if I allocate my resources effectively. And hmm, maybe I do really value lives uh, outside of my immediate community or not just humans, but animals. And people generally go on a journey. And then 
at some point along that journey, things will start to come together and they go, you know what, this is something that's like really important to me. I really want my legacy to not have been just going along with uh, on autopilot in the world. I really want to leave a legacy that lives up to my deeper values. And that's generally the moment that people come to and go, I, I want to draw a line in the sand and make sure that no matter what, I get to the end of my life and I know that I've made a significant impact on improving other people's lives. Yeah, and I think compassion, as you kind of mentioned before, is such an important aspect of it. But even, I think, from a logical viewpoint, it just kind of makes sense if if you have a certain basis of income, then really more money obviously isn't going to buy you more happiness, whereas the simple like amounts of money you can give can just actually make a significant difference in other people's lives. And I think that's just important for people to realize. Yeah, and the amazing thing is, is that research shows us, and I've heard a lot of anecdotal experiences as well, that giving in and of itself improves happiness Definitely. as well. So not only, not only uh, can the money be better spent on other people than on yourself, but the act of giving that money uh, to help other people can improve your well-being. Uh, so it's this kind of big win-win situation, yeah. especially if you take the moment to recognise what it is that you're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've even heard people uh, do things like include that in a gratitude meditation or journaling experience just to remind themselves of what it is that they're actually trying to do in the world. The Center for Effective Altruism, I know it's an umbrella organization for giving what we can and the recently founded 80,000 Hours organization. So can you just tell us a little bit about what these different terms and organizations are? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, Giving What We Can was founded by Toby Ord and Will McCaskill. That was in 2009. And then two years later, uh, Will and another um, person who was part of the community, Ben Todd, founded the organization 80,000 Hours. Giving What We Can was helping people to do the most good with their charitable donations. And 80,000 Hours was focused on trying to help people do the most good with their careers. When they created both organizations, they decided, well, We've got similar people involved and similar founders. Let's just create one charity to house both of these organizations. And they came up with a bunch of different potential names and, and effective altruism, the Center for Effective Altruism ended up winning out. And then a few years later, the term effective altruism started to be used more broadly for this idea of using our resources effectively to help others. And that kind of spurred the growth of effective altruism as both a field of research and, and a social movement. Uh, particularly that was um, helped by the release of Doing Good Better um, by one of our founders, Will McCaskill. It's a book uh, which covered these ideas. Um, uh, it's a great introduction uh, to effective altruism. Um, and then now the Centre for Effective Altruism houses uh, the operations for Effective Altruism groups around the world. It hosts the Effective Altruism Forum, which is an online discussion space, organizes uh, Effective Altruism Global, which are big events uh, where people are able to come together and discuss and learn more about how we can do the most good with our resources. And giving what you can recommends that people donate to specific charities in specific areas. So how do you go about choosing them? Yeah, so Giving What We Can works uh, pretty closely and leverages a lot of the research of other organisations in this space. So you've got organisations like GiveWell that focus uh, quite narrowly on 
uh, robust charities in global health and development that you can really know that if you put money into these things, you're going to get a good impact uh, in the world and that that'll be you know, really solid. Also looking at the work of another organisation, Animal Charity Evaluators, who recommend uh, animal welfare charities. Then there are a lot of other organisations like EA Funds, Open Philanthropy, Rethink Priorities, Forethought Foundation that are working in different uh, spaces. Founders Pledge as well does a lot of good research. So giving what we can, we try to collate that and synthesise that uh, by cause area to help people find where they might be able to give most effectively based on their values. Yeah, and this is more of a personal opinion, but if you had to recommend one charity to donate to at this particular moment, what would it be and why? Oh, <laughs> I know, it's a bit of an impossible question. I won't hold you to the answer. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll show my hand a little bit and tell you what I have given to most myself over the last five years. and. I, I'm someone who I like to support uh, more meta work. So it's not surprising now that I work at giving what we can, but I, I like to support things that help spread ideas or help uncover new giving opportunities. So giving what we can itself is a meta charity. We help uh, people find giving good giving opportunities. We nurture community. I just think you can get a lot of leverage when you do that. Obviously, you want to be careful that you know, these things actually translate to impact. You wouldn't be self-referential <laughs> like people. Um, yeah. But it's something that personally, as a donor, I found to be really high leverage is to yeah. fund things which then increase giving elsewhere or increase the quality of recommendations. Um, so that's something that I have given to and continue to give to myself. But at individual charities doing particular work, um, one that I'm particularly excited about uh is the Good Food Institute uh, because I like that they're working on this uh, space that not only affects animal welfare, which is something I care about, and it's looking to change the systems, like what's available to people on their plate, so plant-based and cell-based meats, but those things also have these nice flow-on effects to other things that I also care about, like climate and biosecurity and, and things like that. Not not the strongest case I would make for those things. Like there are other things you'd give to if you cared solely about those issues. Uh, but I do like that um, it's this mix of technology and innovation, which yeah. also ties into my background working in startups. <laughs> yeah, great. And how can those who want to help giving what you can best do so? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I do encourage people, firstly, just to get started in learning more. So giving what we can, if you go to our website and sign up to our newsletter, you can uh, get a, a kind of an eight-week course on learning more about effective giving. Uh, we send like an email a week for eight weeks as well as a newsletter, which really helps you learn about these ideas. Or you can browse around, go to our giving recommendations if you're looking for individual charities or even our funds where donors can pull their resources together. And if you're really inspired to make effective giving a meaningful part of your life, Take a, uh, one of our pledges. We have the Giving What We Can pledge, which is 10% of lifetime income. But we also have a trial pledge where people can say, look, I just want to try this idea of planned giving, of like being thoughtful and systematic about my giving. I'm going to choose to give, you know, 2% of my income for the next two years and see how I go and, and track that. And so we enable people to do that as well. Yeah, I think that's really cool, all those different options. And before we conclude, is there anything else that you'd like to add about giving what we can or reiterate or really anything? Yeah, uh, one other thing I think that would be uh, 
great is to follow us on social media and um, and YouTube and things like that, where we try to put out a steady stream of content that informs people about this. And these are things that are also quite easy to share. So if you're interested in effective giving, one very easy way of advocating is sharing uh, things that motivate others to give more effectively as well. So that's something that I find really helpful. Great. And that's everything. So thank you so much again for speaking with me. I think you're doing really great work and I hope that people listening are interested. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. It's been really lovely chatting with you.